Hello and welcome to the St Mungo's podcast. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the Navigator Project. Now the Navigator Project was piloted in our hospital in Glasgow in 2015 and essentially it's a violence reduction initiative. It kind of came from the police service although they work independently from the police And what it is, is we have navigators, so staff members with with life experience who work in our department alongside us, often at weekend night shifts. And we identify patients um, who come in under violent circumstances. Once we have treated their condition, um, the navigators will approach the patient in the department and try to establish a rapport and a relationship with the patient and try to, to identify whether this patient would like to be guided away from their violent lifestyle. And what they then do is they, they meet with the patient very quickly after discharge and continue that encouragement and support in the community and try to navigate them and signpost them into community support groups and away from their, their current lifestyle. Now we have seen absolutely phenomenal success with this um, and we feel very strongly about it and I can imagine it being adopted um, more throughout the UK over the next few years Um, so we wanted to just give you a little taster of what it is they do so we have two people two kind of key people involved with the Navigator Project here in the studio with us today and we're going to speak to them to get a little bit more information on that so would you guys like to introduce yourselves please? Sure. Um, my name's Sam and I'm one of the navigators within the Navigator programme. Um, I come from a background of homelessness and domestic abuse and I've been with Navigator now for about 18 months. Hi, I'm Keith Jack. I'm a police officer with the Scottish Violence Reduction Unit. I've been in the police for the last 18 years and for the last three years have been developing the Navigator programme. So Keith, I thought I would turn to you first. Uh, if you could explain to us what exactly is the Navigator project? Yeah, Navigator is an emergency department-based violence intervention whereby we look um, through having credible people based within departments with appropriate life and professional experience to interrupt and support people away from chronically violent lifestyles. So Sam, you are one of the Navigators, so you're one of the people on the ground. Um, So I was very curious just to get your opinion on what it takes to be a good Navigator. Navigators come with a variety of experiences, whether that's through personal experience, positive and negative, or educational or professional experiences. But ultimately what it comes down to is your ability to engage with people at a point when they're at their absolute lowest ebb at a point of crisis and being able to empathise and listen to what it is that they've got going on in their life and being able to see beyond the challenges that they're facing and look at the person that's behind the problems and being able to help them manage their life and move to a, a, a better quality of life that's that's out there for them. So I thought it would be quite interesting to hear about the Navigator Project in action. So I thought I would create a kind of fake situation. I'm working in the department, it's a Friday night, I'm looking after a young male who's been involved in a violent incident. Um, Nothing life-threatening, we've patched him up, Um, we're preparing for discharge, but we get the sense that this young man is open for change. We're very lucky the navigators are there in the department, so I approach you, Sam, and I say, look, I think this young gentleman might be open to to, to your intervention. So just curious, what's the next steps to the process? So as navigators, we would find out from the medical staff what the the initial problems were, what they came in with, and then we'd look to meet with that person. So 
quite informally we would have a wee chat we'd let them know what Navigator is about what our, our project looks to do um, and we'd explain that it's a confidential service um, unless obviously there's an adult or child protection concern then we would we would need to share that and they're made clear about that from the offset um, but it's a very relaxed situation we don't want to put them under any pressure we come in with pink t-shirts where we're not threatening to them at all so um, we just look to build that initial relationship with them and try and strengthen that at the point of where they are feeling that they are at most in crisis um, from there we, we let them know that we look to um, meet with them out in the community where within 48 hours we'll re-establish that contact to keep that continuity and that momentum going and it's all about building that relationship and allowing them to have a bit of trust in us and what we are able to do for them um, we look to really ignite the magic of them reinforce the plus points and the positives in their own lives at the moment because generally speaking they won't be able to see that themselves and by doing that we open up the avenue for more conversations around the problems that are in their lives and while we look to stabilise immediate problems we know that longer term they need to link in with other services that are capable of, of taking them forward um, so we use a variety of partner agencies that we've formed relationships with that we have confidence in that we think that if we take an individual to that service they're going to be absolutely looked after um, so that's how Navigator generally speaking works is that we, we initially form that relationship with the patient in the hospital look to work with them out in the community and support them during that transition phase into other services that they're going to be able to make meaningful changes long term. And how do you decide when is the appropriate time to step back from that patient? It's very much patient led so they dictate as in when they need the support from us and um, we don't want to be a service that becomes a dependent service so what we're trying to do is create independence with that individual but what we don't want them to do is to feel that they're on their own so we will support them to appointments, we will help them with a variety of different issues that they have and we don't have a cut off period for anybody, it's not as if they come into the service and we say right we've got eight weeks to work with you, we can work with them if it's just in a, an intervention within the hospital or if they want to work with us longer term, it's very much needs led so we don't close people off as such anybody that, that maybe drops out of the service for a period of time they're always welcome to come back when whenever they feel they need to so we don't actually have have a set time or agenda for anybody. It's very much led by their needs. So Keith, why is the Navigator Project set up this way? Why was it felt best to intervene in the department at the point of injury? What what do you believe are the benefits of that? For us, it's quite an obvious choice. People are ending up with a needy departments as a result of chronically violent lifestyles, where it's weekly, daily, as victims, as perpetrators. We're seeing people coming in, they're they're fully bravado quite often. They are frightened, they are sore, they're often vengeful, um, you know, and clean out of ideas quite often. We think that's a great time, a reachable and teachable moment where if we have somebody credible within the department who can sit in front of people and say, look, there's a better way, there's a different way, and who that person can relate to, it's a great opportunity for us to break the cycle of violence. So I was interested in finding out how you measure success in all of this, Keith. So obviously there's clearly people who are funding this project. I guess there had to be targets and and justification for for this. So I was wondering um, how you guys are keeping track of all that and how you're justifying it to those people. Yeah, we have an ongoing evaluation of uh, the the project and we would love to see reductions in violent crime. We would love to see reduction in emissions because of violent crime to ED departments. But 
I think it's also really important to look at the human stories. And we've been incredibly enthused and impressed by some of the things that we're seeing. You know, I could give her one recent example. A lad who came in to the ED department had been within the department multiple times in the preceding months, engaged with navigators, and he made a special connection with one of our navigators. He had quite serious alcohol issues, which he now has or is in the process of addressing. He's working full-time. He is reunited with his family. In fact, he's a sole carer for uh, both his children. And that, for us, that is an incredible outcome for him. And if we can help one person in that way, then we feel we've, we've been successful in what we set out to do. But it would be fair to say that you've dozens and dozens of similar stories like that. Yep, every weekend we are engaging with people and the outcomes are just absolutely phenomenal. So if you're a listener and you work in a city centre emergency department and you see a lot of violence and you've enjoyed this podcast and you've thought, you know, that's something that we could benefit from, um, what would you suggest would be the next steps for them to explore introducing something similar to their working environment? It's about having conversations. Start speaking to your colleagues about Navigator. See what it is about it that you think would be applicable to your department, what you like about it. Then a quick Google search would uh, quickly identify if there's anybody maybe in the local area who is already doing something within the hospitals. Thereafter, contact ourselves. We'd be absolutely delighted to speak to anybody, to communicate by email, or in fact to host visits or go out to sites and actually speak to hospital staff and other people who are interested about the project. Uh, We will also put all the details um, for Keith and the Navigator project in our show notes, so anyone who's interested, you can have the, the details there to contact Keith directly. So if you're someone who works in a smaller department or doesn't find they get the engagement that they would have hoped for a service like this. Is there anything that you've learned in the past three years that you could offer an individual healthcare worker who deals with similar patients, but what could they do or what could they implement in their practice that would still make a difference? I think the big thing would be to never forget that you can make a huge difference to a patient's life who's walking through the door. People will ask us all the time, why do we work with the people we work with? They'll never change and you won't make a difference to them. We have seen continually incredible outcomes for people, even in the most difficult of circumstances, through a simple approach of helping, supporting and showing you care. And I think that's something we can all do, regardless of how busy we are, how stressed we are. But also, you know, to keep your own knowledge up to up to date as well, to speak to people in network, to find out what's available in our own communities. There's loads of great services out there that if we can link people into better, we can make huge differences. I would echo what Keith said. It's about educating yourself with the projects and the agencies that are within the community and being able to know what's around the hospital or the emergency department that you're working in and being able to signpost people accordingly. Um, Having an understanding of that will help support people who are living in absolutely chronic cycles of violence or just living in chaos and not being able to see the way out. Generally speaking, anybody that's unhappy, you know, they don't want to be living an unhappy life. It may be that they don't know a way out of what it is that's entrenching them into the chaos that they're living in. So it's having that empathy and that that ability to be able to sit and listen and take the time to find out what's going on and being able to say, you know what, it's all right. I know that your life isn't particularly great at the moment, but there is ways in which you can transform it and turn it around. Um, And being able to identify the services that are available for them to use and to utilise them and to understand the social complexities that people are facing is definitely something that any 
everybody within that particular setting should be able to do. So I thought an interesting way to end this podcast would be to ask you, Sam, for some of your pearls of wisdom that you've gained and all of the experience that you've had uh, dealing with these situations. I'm sure there's probably aspects of the law that we don't actually know about or would benefit from knowing a little bit more detail about. So what would be the, the main points that you think all healthcare providers should know about and potentially implement in their practice? Sure. There's three things that we quite regularly use um, which would be helpful for anybody that doesn't have an advocate or service in their hospital. One would be contacting your local police office um, and requesting a storm mark for anybody, any patient that you believe is affected by domestic abuse. That would ensure an immediate response by the police if there's any further incidents within their own home. Another thing would be if you've got a patient who's came through who's homeless and an emergency accommodation, but you're looking to admit them, would be to contact their emergency accommodation and let them know that the person has been admitted. Generally speaking, they have a 24-hour rule and the likelihood is their bed would be closed if they've not shown up to use that. The third thing would be to remember that as an ED department, you're not obligated to admit somebody who's came through that's homeless. But if you do admit somebody that is homeless with nowhere to go on the back of their discharge, the hospital has a duty of care to ensure that that person has somewhere to go after discharge. Thank you so much, Sam. I think those are great little tips that we can implement in our practice. Uh, very useful indeed. But we just need to make it clear that these are based on Scottish law and Scottish police practice. So we would recommend that you check if there are variations in your own area. So a huge thank you to Keith and Sam for that chat around the Navigator project. It's certainly something that we're very proud of in our hospital and we've all experienced amazing outcomes uh, from what they do. I think it's been certainly adopted now into the, the Royal Infirmary Hospital in Edinburgh and I'm sure it will continue to spread. Um, I think my main take-home points are that an attendance DD can be a crucial time to intervene in someone's chaotic life. And I think the Navigator Project has shown that the vast majority of patients who attend in violent circumstances are open to change given the right support. Number two, if you work in an urban ED which experiences high levels of violence, then please contact Keith and the Navigator Project and they would be delighted to share their experience. Number three, if you are unlikely to have such a project, you can still become familiar with local community services and signpost patients to them. Remember to show empathy and encouragement as, as these people are willing to change given the right support. And number four, Sam's little trio of pearls. You can contact the police to arrange a storm mark for a patient affected by domestic abuse. And that means that if the police receive a call from their home, then they attend urgently. Uh, number two, if you're admitting a homeless person, then please contact their emergency accommodation uh, to inform them of the admission so they don't lose it. And finally, for homeless patients that are admitted, the hospital has a duty of care to discharge the patient at least with uh, an action plan to address their homelessness. So many, many thanks for listening. Uh, you can visit our website at stmungos-ed.com where you'll find the show notes to accompany this podcast with all the appropriate links. Plus, there's lots of other educational resources for your enjoyment. Many, many thanks again for listening and take care. <laughs>